Hello, and why I'm loud, and welcome to uh, season twenty-four, episode seven of Happy Jerks RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. I'm Stork. Pooja. And uh, two, I had a two-week hiatus because I've been sick. Mm-hmm. I'm sick. I had Bogfest. Yes. I, I had like a month hiatus because Stu's been sick and we had Bogfest. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's over now. We've but only missed on. one show though. Yes. That, yes. If you would like to come out to fair tomorrow, that's the 27th, if you're listening to this live, uh, we're having a meet-up. And what time is our group picture? Uh, 1.40 p.m. 1.40 p.m. Standard. So very specific. At it the world-famous Rogue's Reef stage at the Renaissance Pleasure Fair in Irwindale, California, at the Santa Fe Dam Recreation Are you getting area. that back and forth? It's kind of cool. <laughs> Get it through my head. It's cool. <laughs> it's like old hi-fi stereo. It's really cool. Uh, is it? it just keeps bouncing back, yeah. I don't know why it's doing that. I'm not sure. It's awesome. Uh, so if you go to Renfair, R-E-N-F-A-I-R dot com slash SoCal, you get information about the Southern California Renaissance Pleasure Fair. And come and see us. We were performing four times a day at Rogue's Reef at noon, two, three thirty, and five, changes, yeah. I think, is our schedule this mm-hmm. week. So come and see us. Or don't. I don't I don't know. I got nothing. Um, oh, I also wanted to mention <laughs> he, that... He's not um, your real dad. Yeah. <laughs> I also wanted to mention that... Uh, uh, Dave Kazay's uh, Kickstarter started for Malice. Yes. So if you go on Kickstarter and you search for Malice, uh, a town called Malice, a town called Malice, you will find it. I haven't backed it yet. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna back it. Next I did. Week. He did. Yeah, he does. He does good with the the Kickstarters. Yeah. So he, he makes good products. He yes, really does. He does. They're, they're this is like it's interesting. It's like a kind of a bleak sort of Norwegian. Yeah, Stork played it on our. Did. Oh, did you? Did. Yeah, on our uh, Rainbow Railroading. Oh, yep. cool. I get a whole sort of Fargo vibe about it. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. It's very cool. Awesome. So, there's that as well. Also, in this episode, why, why is everything so hot? Because you're here? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you already have the gig. Because yeah. I'm scared. <laughs> you, don't <have> to <laughs> you don't have to lie like that. Damn. <laughs> I, was trying to get to a, I was trying to bring it to a good place. <laughs> in this episode... Steffi from Scotland writes in about NPC crowd control. Nice. Ben from Texas suggests letting the players drive. Mm-hmm. And Axel calls us on our coastism. That's my term, coastism, because it's not really what he's talking about. Right. But we'll get to that. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We have a forum. Yay! Forum f- 5.0. I think. Is it five? It's great. It's, it's whatever it is. <laughs> yes. It's forum 66.6. Yes. <laughs> Happyjacksforum.com will mm. take you directly there. Sign up. Mm. Lurk. We Rage. We do put the um in forum. We do. <laughs> <laughs> there have been some really good conversations on there lately, too. Um, yeah. About yeah. recent episodes. There's also some really cool threads about like your favorite character death, and also like your most like emotional moment yeah. in character in a oh, game cool. lately. So, cool There's stuff. also a memes... Yeah, thread <laughs> and really, that's that's the one I'm there for. That's one right. for you. I'm here, I'm here for the memes. <laughs> that's why I'm on Facebook, and I'm really proud because I don't think there's a cat one up there yet. <clears throat> that's the only reason why I haven't left Facebook is because of the memes. There's a cat memes. <laughs> well, not no. the cat memes. But I have a, memes in general. I have a whole group chat with my friends that is just for the memes, mm-hmm. and it allowed me to break that those chains of Facebook yeah. and never look back. Yes. 
It is the smack of the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're on Twitter, Happy Jacks RPG, all one word, on Twitter, and also on Instagram, Facebook, and MeWe. And Doesn't if exist. you got my post last week for MeWe, this is this episode since I called in sick last Friday. <laughs> speaking of speaking of memes, mm-hmm. I just had the start of the Jonathan Frakes. You're wrong. It's made up. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. Is- A writer wrote it. Okay. <laughs> it's like a 40 second clip, 47 second, like super cut of him at the end of Beyond Belief of the um, of the episodes that aren't true. Oh. Just saying, you're wrong. <laughs> Not this time. Excellent. A writer made it up. That's funny. We made it up. And it's like, it is my everything right now. <laughs> that wasn't on for very long, was it? Mm, but it's know. all on Amazon Prime now. Oh, is it? Okay. I just like him getting on chairs. There's a, there's a whole there's a whole clip of him because he, he like puts his leg over and sits on the chair because he's enormously tall. And there's like I don't know a twenty minute clip of him like straddling over yes. chairs. Yes. Yes. yes, yes, yes. That's also a very good one. The <laughs> one with um, Patrick Stewart adjusting his uniform. Yeah, that's oh, the, yeah, the shirt tuck, like the one. shirt Captain pull. Tuck. I'm like, yes, please. Pull I find myself doing more. that. I first saw Jonathan Frakes when I was flipping through channels pre Next Generation. And he was on like channel forty on a on a uh, Christian soap opera. That's the first time I saw him. Wow! And I watched him like that guy can't act. And then like three years later, he still can't act. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he really grew. So did that show. So did his ear. It, it did. It did. Like he became a director. It's to someone who like who came into to Star Trek so much later than everyone else I know. It's like I watched season one and was just like, <laughs> and they were like, "Just make it through. You'll be okay. Just make it through." And then it was like five shows later, forty-five that- seasons of Star Trek later, <laughs> and all the movies in order. Oh right! Wow. Oh wow! I was like, "Yes, please." <laughs> the the fir- very first episode, Encounter at Farpoint, is that the one where they first meet the Ferengi, where the camera's like eight inches away from the Ferengi's face as he's looking on the big screen? I'm like. They're gonna need to fix that. Yeah, they're not gonna do that again. <laughs> Honestly, like I'll be, I'll be the first to admit when it came to Deep Space Nine, if I knew it was a Ferengi episode, I would just skip it. <laughs> Fight me. Yeah. <laughs> have of... you watched the original series? Mm-hmm. Oh, you have. They're all on Netflix, so you can just like, you can satisfy the, your obsessive need <coughs> to watch everything in order, mm-hmm. and then watch all the movies in order. And then go back and do it all again, but put the movies in where they go chronologically. Who no. would ever do that? <laughs> now, is the is, is the animated series on Netflix? Because I got an, uh, a CBS All Access to be able to watch the new one, and uh, it's got the the animated series. On I there haven't as well. seen. I don't think, as far as I'm aware, the animated series is not on Netflix. I was not aware there was an animated series. What? It came out in the seventies. You're gonna have to go rewatch them all and put that in the chronological order. <laughs> don't. What crew is it? Wave off. It's, it's it? the original. It's the original cast. Okay. Well, except that they couldn't get Uhura, so there's a Catwoman, and then, or another. Uh, uh, yeah, there is a couple. And then there's like, and then there's like a weird old-looking dude that like took the place of Chekhov. Right. Also, yeah. in one of the uh, one of the movies, I forget which one it is now. It might be the one. Where she is, she does that like distracting, sexy dance where she's a silhouette at the mm-hmm. 
with the um, I'm doing sexy arms for those of you listening along at home later. Um, and I think in that one they spell her name wrong in the credits. Like uh, it's spelled two different ways. Oh, and I was character's like, name? Mm-hmm. I was like, so y'all need to do better. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. When you only have one female character, you can't spell one name. Okay. No, we got Ensign. What's her name? What's her, what's her name? Ensign. Good job making her name better. Good job, Stu. <laughs> Yeoman <laughs> Rand. Yeoman Rand. Oh, there okay. you go. Ensign, Yeoman. Also, it's fun when you watch the movies later and you realize, like, Tuvok is in one of the older movies as, like, a background Vulcan yeah. and other stuff background like that. Vulcan. And I'm like, oh, it's 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 so very law and order. Yeah. <laughs> Where yeah, even my mother it. was like, if you watch closely, you'll notice that some of the villains come back as prosecutors. Yes. <laughs> They do that a lot. It's very yeah. Funny. Isn't that weird? <laughs> totally random. All right. All right. There you go. Yeah. So did, did I go through the things? Now that yes, I have did. derailed us uh, completely, yes, you did. Oh, and also, if you'd like to watch the show live, you can watch it at 7 p.m. Pacific time on Fridays. HappyJacks.org/live. First email. Oh, MP- one more thing. If oh. you wanted to watch any of us actually play games, we have many actual plays. So if you check out yes. HappyJacks.org/schedule. You can check out the schedule and you can watch that again at happyjacks.org slash live. And there's a bunch of games going on right now. We have uh, a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> we I have, can't um, think of any of them right now. Well, coming up, there's the uh, the finale of mm-hmm. uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Yes. There is the, uh, the Star Trek, speaking finale, of Star Trek, right? uh, yeah. that finale's coming up. Yeah. The uh, Autumn People, that's mm-hmm. or that's Chronicles of Dark- Darkness. Darkness game. Yeah, and really that's on Wednesdays. And then there's a the Changeling game. Who's in the Changeling there's game? There's Wild Adam. Wild Talents mm-hmm. going on also Yay. on alternating Wednesdays. And I should have remembered awesome that, one. that one. Should've, I should have yeah, remembered that, that one. Demigods <laughs> is on Saturday, or Sunday, Sundays, Sundays. Sundays. She knows um, all these stuff. <laughs> I know that one because I'm in it. <laughs> I don't but like yeah, I watch a lot of. Yeah. I watch a lot of. Films. And then yeah, we do have coming up. We have There's a changeling um, game coming up. Adam's running. It? Yeah, changeling, the dreaming game that Adam's right. running, and also City of Mists, which is like a noir. It's a brand new system. It's actually not out yet, and Mac is running that. Cool. Ooh. I'm very excited about that game. That's gonna be really exciting. I, I'm very Mac excited. as a GM is going to be like. She's so good. She's kiss. Kiss. Yeah, she's great. So good. So anyway, All right. lots of stuff. All right, go ahead. NPC crowd control from Steffi in Scotland. Dear Jackers of Hap. I won't do that anymore. Sorry, Scott. Um, no, my, they're finally like, I can finally understand him. <laughs> That's like when I changed my phone, I wanted to have the Australian woman's voice on, on my on my iPhone. <laughs> but it stopped understanding me when I talked to it. Because you're changing the <laughs> language <laughs> setting. So it's waiting for different pronunciations. It's, yes. So, it, so if I talked in, in my bullshit Australian accent, by the way, it understood me. <laughs> so I don't want no shit. Anyway, um, <laughs> you're gonna get nothing but shit. <laughs> There's just nothing but shit to respond to that. If Siri can understand me, then Australians certainly could. Mm. Siri can't understand me speaking American English. Mm. I'm sorry, I didn't understand what you said. Say it again, clearer, please. Yes. Um, Enunciate, asshole. Right. Uh, my NPCs are brilliant. No, wait. Uh, my greatest strength in, in, as gaming are NPCs. It's also my greatest weakness. My NPCs are brilliant. Screw modesty. Take a take a fucking drink. Woohoo! What are you drinking? I'm drinking rye. Ooh. It's good. I'm going to brag. You may need it. My PC told me about her mother, the player probably, mm-hmm. aunt and grandmother, and how each of these strong, powerful women pressure this teenage girl into being the beacon of hope and power for the city 
I gave them backstories, connections with each other, and core values that drive them to be hard on this poor girl who is trying her best, but just isn't good enough for them. When said player left the group for real life reasons, we still hung out and I ended up telling her all the things she didn't see. Wouldn't have seen if she had went looking. She got emotional and protective of these people she clashed with in the game because she could now see their pain and pride in their interactions with her character that she didn't see through her character's eyes. Where I fail is crowd control. I have too many, and I'm and I'm and I'm aware of this. I try not to make more. I try to merge some of those into the same character. Uh, I'm still always running into problems. I don't give an important NPC plot important to NPC. It, fuck. Important to plot NPC enough limelight. I don't give the PCs a chance to uh, to spend time with NPCs they like. I focus on NPCs that they don't care about. And I'm not afraid to kill off my darlings. Drink in honor of my dead darlings. Aww. Aww. Drinking in honor of dead darlings. I'm going to foreshadow my answer and say you should probably kill more of them. Uh, yeah. I thought I was getting better at this. But after playing in my friend's game, the same friend as above, who quote-unquote admires me as a GM, I feel more self-conscious as we're drowning in NPCs and barely given a chance to interact with each other that I'm seeing what my players are all too polite to tell me. Do we have any advice how to not? How to not? Steffi from Scotland. P.S. Drink. That's three drinks in one email. They're from Scotland. Scotland. Yeah, come on. (laughs) We're not Irish. I think Scots would fight you in yeah, terms of the pretty drinking. Yeah, much. Mm. Uh, um, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's I mean, I've been to both places, and I would say I do know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going surely by reputation from watching TV. <laughs> well, you must know. I drank a lot when I was in Scotland, so I'm using that as my evidence. Okay, all right. <laughs> it's totally I mean, we scientific. did brewery tours, so like... yeah. Oh, Dist- oh, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry. The plural Distillery. Distillery tours. And also every person I met, their first question is, have you done the distillery tours yet? So yeah. like oh, really? I'm just saying. Well they're very proud of their Scots. Yeah. Except the very little old ladies who were very sweet and were like, Do you know where you are going? <laughs> we were like mostly and they were like, We will help you. Yeah. <laughs> they are very helpful there. Yes, it's like at the time I, I really felt like moving north in uh in Britain was kind of like moving south in the United States like oh. people are more polite to strangers as you go further north versus well I mean putting aside all the racism right <laughs> right all right so I, I have I, I have my advice for him but if you guys want to go I think I think we, there's some like cardinal rules and I and one thing that I mean you have to just avoid like the plague is NPC to NPC conversation. I think that is the number one red flag. If you find yourself talking to yourself, (laughs) you have too many NPCs in the scene. All of the players at the table should never, at the same time, be an audience. Right. At least, the way I do it is, if I I avoid it like the plague, try not to have two NPCs talking to each other, Mm because then you're just having a dialogue with yourself, and it's masturbatory. Yeah. But, if you have to do it, if it's in a situation where the player characters aren't interacting, like they're eavesdropping or mm-hmm. they're watching a closed-circuit camera or something and there's two people who are talking, mm-hmm. narrate it. Yeah. Don't actually act it out. Just say, so-and-so says this, and then they kind of argue a little bit back and forth, and if you want specifics, I can give them to you, but da 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 and then, and then just move on from that, because yeah. 
your player characters are your protagonists. Yes. And the biggest the biggest thing that that stuck out for me in this thing is not giving important to plot NPCs enough limelight. NPCs don't need to have a lot. Any of limelight. limelight. Yeah. I mean, you do fall in love with your NPCs. This when he, when I read this, it reminded me of Rinjiro from the yes. from the L5R game. Yeah. He was my favorite NPC of that game. Yeah. And he had a whole backstory that the players never even learned until like the last three or four yeah. sessions. Mm-hmm. He was gay, mm-hmm. and Master Higo was his lover. And every time the player characters would come and see see Rinjiro, who was their daimyo, he's sitting in the, in the garden with Master Higo almost every time. Yeah. There was nothing. Nothing ever blatant ever happened in that situation. And then when Dave's character comes in, because there's this scorpion Shugenja who's come in and, and is is uh, looking to get married into the Inukai family, mm-hmm. thinking she's going to marry Renjiro, and Dave confesses his love. Mm-hmm. Renjiro is delighted. Yes, <laughs> because his brother. The whole conflict of that story is mm-hmm. that his brother wants him to marry because he needs to have an heir. Mm-hmm. So. That that whole conflict didn't even show up until very near the end of the of that campaign. Yeah, but but it's it doesn't. I don't know if it has to. No. As long as the little bits of clues are there, and then when the reveal happens, you're like, oh, that explains what. Yeah. Oh, so oh. we're human. That's like when you go back and watch uh, the Sixth Sense, and you're like, oh. Oh, I get like you know, all the little things. Like that's why I like going back and listening to that particular campaign. Like the whole way, it's like just like this this whole other storyline that even we as players like didn't pick up on for a long time. And it's okay. Kind of like good. It's kind of a you can still love creating all these intricate backstories mm-hmm. and all this other stuff, but the the thing you have to like kind of fight against is presenting it. Yeah. You don't need to present it. Let your players discover things about the NPCs that they care about. Mm -hmm. And, like, I know you say you're, like, not afraid to kill your babies, but, like... Or your darlings, sorry. Um, (laughs) But the... But the thing to remind yourself of, like, when you're talking about NPCs is... You don't necessarily need to literally kill them off. But the idea that you need to let go of your attachment of your darlings. So that way, like, you're... Because you have this whole rich tapestry of a world, and you've spent time and love and yeah. energy, and you've like brought it to life, but you have to let your player characters live in it. Yeah. If they are going off in a direction, and you're like, "Man, I really wish they had like really explored this other character," don't force it on them. Mm-hmm. Like, let them explore the way that they're going to explore, and and then you have all of this framework and the structure for them. But at the same time, like you, you kind of unfortunately have to divorce your feelings. From from the from your player from your NPCs in order to have a good story. Yeah, and you can have a ton of NPCs, just don't have them all there at the same time. Like you're talking about this awesome like matriarchal family. It sounds like they're supposed to be the bad guys, but <laughs> I think they're awesome for clear reasons. Like for Amazon, <laughs> Amazon for forever. Um, also, like having like demanding mother, aunt, and grandmother. Mm. That's just called being a woman in life most of the time. Whoa! <laughs> I mean, you're lucky if you have all those people We're in life. But having trope. them like super be like, it's like, yeah, that's a thing. Oh yeah. Um, but anyway, Especially an immigrant family. Yeah. There's a reason why you always hear about like people talking about the Indian mother, the Jewish mother, or the, or oh. the like insert the tiger mom POC mm-hmm. mother here because like those things are awesome. They're mm-hmm. great, and it's like lovely to like ground your characters and have that realism. Mm-hmm. But like. They don't all have to be in the same room. 
Like how like you can have that powerful mother, that powerful aunt, that powerful grandmother, all those <coughs> things. They don't all have to be there talking at the same time though. Right. Like one of them is the representative. Maybe the grandmother is so busy and powerful, like she doesn't make like appearances there. She sends the aunt or she sends the mother or whoever is like lowest in her esteem at the time gets to go run those errands. Right. So find like a reason. Like they don't all three have to be sitting there pressuring this PC every time. Like have one of them there representing. And clearly clearly he knows he has a problem or they know they have a problem here yeah. because they they say I'm getting better at this. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would again would take a page from Stu's book, which is why have ten NPCs when you really only need one or two, and these people can give and disseminate the information that you need. Because right. truthfully, as a player, I get I have a hard enough time remembering the names of like three piece NPCs, <laughs> let alone if there's twenty. Mm-hmm. And after a while, I just don't care. Well, it's like the vampire game. I had oh I don't know probably thirty oh, or forty many. NPCs. Yeah. How many did you meet with regularly? Yeah. Not well, when I was in charge, not many because I have a terrible memory. Mm. Right. But I also had Samantha taking notes, so that was helpful. Right. Even in our our traveler game, was a great yeah. example of this. Is like there were towns, there was a population. We would come across rooms of people, and there would be one person who was a representative, and yeah. that was the person that we would talk to. Yep. There'd be two people, and right. they would each represent a different faction, and we would mm-hmm. speak to them. But we still, even when we landed on the planet, went back to one person for with yeah, information. Exactly. It was still only the one person. We didn't have to go to talk to the secretary for this, and then go down the hall and talk to the press secretary, and then go back to the. <coughs> other. It was as fun as that is. It's confusing for the players, and it's easier for you. Just have one NPC that they that they touchstone with, mm-hmm. you know, and. You can start out with a lot, and then the one that they keep coming back to, you just weed the others. They're not in around anymore, and then but, stick with that one. The, 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 the trope of this of this character with the the this this domineering matriarchy yeah. on top of her is they could all be there, but they don't all have to be there. You know what I mean? They yeah. could all exist, and you could slip them in at different times. And the other thing is, I mean, if this is someone who is a, I think I said that a minute ago. Not a, she did. If this is okay. someone who's probably not a child. No, it sounds like she's like a young woman. Okay. Or like a teenager well, it says, young it woman. It says specifically that it's a teenager. Yeah. Go back to the time go back to the time when like you first moved moved away. Mm-hmm. And it's like we haven't seen you in a while. Why don't you call? <laughs> oh, or how my parents calls. used to call at five thirty in the morning every day when I moved to college, and I was like, I went to sleep. I was like, I went to sleep three hours ago. You went to sleep seven hours ago. You want to know why I'm not awake? That is why. Yes. <laughs> I just I, I find it can be fatiguing as a player when there's too many names I got to mm. keep track of oh, and sure. too many too many personalities even sometimes. I'm like, I just, I want to talk to the one guy, and I need to, you know... And this seems seems to be kind of a static campaign where it's like they're in one place. It almost kind of reads like an almost superhero campaign, maybe? Because, I mean, if if you are the beacon of hope and power in the city... Yeah. Well, we were also, we were in, when we played Eldamy, we were in certain cities a lot, too, though. So there are, like, anchor cities. Right, but I mean, like, this seems more like a a superhero game or like a vampire game where it's like, this is your location and this is where everything's happening. Yeah. Um, I just lost my train of thought. That's okay. (laughs) Well, I started out by saying, I mean... This is what happens when you make us drink so much in the first email. Already in the first email. And and a lot of NPCs uh, people get attached to. It's like, once you find a blacksmith that you like, they right. always go back to that same blacksmith. There might be thirty other blacksmiths in that town, but you keep going back to the one that you know. Yeah. It's, like, so it's like your favorite mechanic, it, right? Yeah. right. Yeah. And it, it, PCs <laughs> will gravitate towards one NPC, and, and that keeps, makes your job easier too. I think, I think you're doing everybody a disservice. Maybe, I know you like writing stories, clearly, you like creating backstories and such. But um, and, and if that helps you come up and get into the NPCs, that's great. But I think you know you have a problem. Just 
winnow it down and, and just stick to one PC. Okay. They, say to yourself, when they walk into the castle, they're going to talk to somebody. Can I just use the same person over the again? Captain Can it of just the be the guard. prince, the captain of the guard, instead of them? Bob the guard. Yeah, right. just or have like, to go back to Bob all the it time. It sounds like they have like they've naturally and players as as we go through, we naturally find the person that we want to gravitate mm-hmm. towards. Like it didn't for us and Traveler, it didn't have to be no. that representative mm-hmm. of the um, of the, the city. Yeah. No, the no it was the corporation the biologists mm-hmm. from the um, corporation that was named. It was either named one of two things. Yes. The, the person oh, with no oh, windows in their Zada, office. Is that a Neo Terra? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, like, so we had, I mean, that's easily something that, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was easily a character that we could have kind of interacted with and then been like, you know what, whatever, and moved away from. But we latched on, like, we imprinted yeah. on this on this poor woman with no windows. Oh, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Oh, no, and she was actually from the. The, the international Associ- yeah, one the, of those two words. The international association of <laughs> <Sociology>. <laughs> You have to go watch the episode. Pooja's all up on it because he There's gave like us one name and then changed it, and, then, and yeah. I had both names in yeah. in my Your one notes. Of those two. And Pooja yeah. wrote it down, and she, would, she takes great delight in just poking and poking and poking. And <laughs> I created an entire backstory about the infighting <laughs> the name. It's so, like the Judean people's front, the people's front, front of yeah. Judea, yeah. the water group. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. So I mean, if you like creating these. <laughs> like that's awesome. Create them, but like Stork and Pooja, like are saying, like let your NPCs sift through them, and figure out which let ones your are going to let your PCs. PCs. I'm sorry. You let your PCs. <laughs> sorry, your players sift through and figure out which NPCs to keep, and like let the others just kind of follow by the wayside yeah, and pick the ones that, and let them pick the ones they like. If yeah. there's one that you absolutely need for some reason because they're vital to the plot, make sure that they take the spot of somebody else. You don't need the mother, the aunt, and the grandmother, and the second cousin, and all these people. Or just make them more interesting. Yes. yes. Or, or, them give them, or give the plot points that mm-hmm. the, that the like, really important NPC had. To one right. of the interesting yeah. ones, right. Yeah. If you wanted, right? But then, but then you. Yeah, run I mean, the I know that doesn't always work, but, but like at the same time, like just be flexible in yeah. who you want to showcase, so that way you're you and your players are are crafting a story together. Yeah, that you're both really in- invested yeah. in. It sounds like though that you know you have a problem, but you really, really love making NPCs. I, we can't help you with that, other than write a book. And don't talk to yourself. Because you're great. It sounds like you're great at coming up with characters and having a great time. Maybe write a book to get out of your system. Or just make tons of NPCs. <laughs> right. Tons of NPCs and figure out some way to catalog them. There. So if you can always gallery. pull somebody up. Oh, I need a blacksmith. I'm going to go through my 18 blacksmiths. And yeah. Oh, this one right here. Start a website where other GMs can quickly search and Ooh, access your NPCs. An NPC wiki. Yeah. And monetize this thing. Just randomly, like, Stu, when you can't think of a name, can use your wiki. It'll yeah. be amazing. Right. It would be fantastic. It's a great idea. <laughs> Because to, to be honest, database to be honest, I think a NPCs. lot of GMs don't like making NPCs or don't make very interesting ones. Mm-hmm. So use yeah, your might be a thing there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. all right. Thank you, Stephanie. You can you can give your uh, agent fee to yeah. <laughs> charge ten percent for talking randomly over the internet. Also, write back and tell us if we're right about Scotland drinking. Yes. All Are right. you drinkier than Ireland? I, mean, I, think, I don't know if that's like a I think good, that's really like yeah. also we are really keying into some stereotypes that hurtful people. I actually think the drinkiest place is probably Wales. I, I don't know, I've never been to Wales. I would say I the Renaissance Pleasure Fans have I remember Peter okay. who's now he's, you know, he's gonna be mayor of his of his town. Really? Yes. <gasps> uh, a, a friend of ours who worked fair is Welsh. 
and he told us that the town he's in, I don't remember how he many retired people... retired and went back to his village. Yeah, and now he's, he's going to be mayor. And it is a village, too. Yeah. And, and, I mean, they are villages. That's how it works. It's like a thousand people in this town, and they have like 40 pubs. That's amazing. Yeah. I, like, I don't remember exactly what the ratio was, but he told me that. And I'm like, holy shit, that's a lot of pubs for that that's many. That's fantastic. People. But they're also like like gathering places, and they're not like just bars. You met Peter, right? Hmm. I can remember Peter very fondly. But no, it's that's also, a, it's like, the only Welshman I know. What are you going to each town to like find? Because I spent a decent amount of time in Cardiff because mm-hmm. a good friend of mine from college is from there and went mm-hmm. back there after college. And mm-hmm. so, but like now he's got a family and he's got like a kid in high school and he's got like yeah. a kid in middle school. So like we aren't going out to party. We went bowling. Yeah. And right. had a pint. Yeah. So it was like less. It's like all about what you go looking for. Yeah. Well, and I mean, we are a hundred percent evidence that drinking a lot is not equated to partying. <laughs> right. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> As we sit and roll dice and finish off like eight <coughs> bottles of wine in a game. I've always said the it's game all is like about, a party. It is a party. I'm getting together with my friends and it having is. a good time. What else is partying? It's an event. You bring food and there's alcohol and people are having fun. We Tappy's torture other people okay. with our chewing noises. Yeah, someone mentions Tap- Tappy is of Welsh descent, but he's not from Wales. No. He likes he plays it up. He does like digging. <laughs> He'll tell Probably you less now. He's a little more out of shape than when he used to dig holes. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> that used like to be his mole. job. We had to like build the stage and Tappy's job and was And we would to sink dig post holes. Yeah. And it was at the Santa Fe Dam, which is mostly rocks. It's made of a rocks. huge amount of rocks about this big, covered with a thin layer of soil. So you get the postal digger out and go, clink. Tabby. Dig, 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 dig. He had, these, he had all kinds of implements that we got from Home Depot. and he, I mean, he pulled big rocks That's out. Crazy. We, he once encountered a rock, and he wasn't going to let it kill. And I think it took him like a day and a half to get yeah. through it. And it was it was like half the size of the table. It was a really big rock. And the he, best, though, since it's like a protected area, you have to put all the rocks back, back. at the end of the season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then the next. See, year, any of you work for the Army Corps Engineers? So you we haven't dug anything well, up. At least then fine. you you know, like yeah. it's like you're going in eyes wide open. You there. know what's happening. Well, at some point we had this epiphany. Hey, why don't we build everything so we don't need to dig any holes? Right. <laughs> and it's like the clouds parted, oh. beams of sunshine. It only took us like 15 years. Yeah. Right. All right. Greeting ugly bags of mostly douche. Oh, this is letting the players drive from Ben in Texas. Oh yes, sorry, okay. I forgot to read the, the title. Letting the players drive from Ben in Texas. Star Trek reference, not body shaming. Uh, I wanted to share a trick I've been experimenting with in my games. When transitioning between scenes that should be separated by some amount of time, I will sometimes ask the players to each give a short description of the scene. The intent is to create a sort of montage that gives the impression that time has passed in which the characters were not just sitting around, but also gets the group to the next important scene more quickly than a random encounter. First example, the party was using sewers to escape the city where they were being hunted by assassins of a death cult. That's awesome. That's very cool. Anything where you're getting chased through the sewers is all right by me. I love that. These are like the best sentences I get to read. Chasing through the sewers from a city, they were being hunted by assassins of of a death cult. It's a great sentence. A lot of alliteration. Yes. Uh, They had a big fight against a necromancer, followed by an emotional scene since they lost a beloved NPC. There was still a lot of sewer tunnels to go, though, and I had established that the tunnels were full of dangers, so I asked each player to describe an encounter for the party and to tell their char- uh, and tell how their character helped overcome that challenge. I got four extra encounters to flush out the story of the escape through the sewers in about 15 minutes. Spending another couple of hours in the sewers would have been a big bit of a slog, since the real story was happening outside the city. 
I thought it went pretty well, so later I tried it again. The party was traveling through a perfectly normal forest. Capitalized, <laughs> like a title. It's yeah. not filled with R-O-U-S's at, at all. <laughs> <laughs> there are definitely no... Yeah. And what's yeah. the, the fire... Fire that you know by the popping noise. Yes. Right. Yeah. I've always thought it was funny how to, uh, funny how to uh, how every forest in a fantasy story has to be haunted, infested by fairies, or have n- talking tree monsters, Tom Bombadil, etc. Why are you slagging on Tom Bombadil? I know. It's the best part you of leave, this whole series. You, you leave Tom out of this. Yes. Most um, most powerful person in Middle Earth. I can debate you on Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And uh, I <laughs> and I bought the director's cut, mm-hmm. hoping that he would be in it, and he still wasn't in it. This and little I, hat. It's not the same. It's not the same. I want to hear agree. the motherfucker sing. Yeah, me too. I, I want, want to know more about Bjorn too. I mean, he's a lycanthrope and stuff, and he just is like he takes care of them and feeds them, and then he's gone. We're like, what? 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 Let's write a book on that guy. Yeah. Right. <sighs> so anyway, so each player, I had each player describe a scene where the characters uh, thought something magical or frightening was about to happen, <coughs> only to find out that everything was perfectly normal. Once again, capitalized. Because it's a perfectly normal forest. Perfectly normal. So when they finally arrived at the village with a werewolf curse, it felt like they'd actually done some traveling, and the werewolf village wasn't just a few feet away from the last town they'd visited. Uh, I've been having a lot of fun with this trick, though it should definitely be used sparingly. What are your thoughts? Yours truly, Ben from Texas. I like crowdsourcing. I, yeah. my, 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 the, only, the only caveat I would think about this is if the players are creating truths... Mm. The GM needs to note all of those and make sure that those truths remain consistent. Mm-hmm. That's just a simple matter of like, okay, or at least take, take notes. I mean, right. we, I basically do the same. I, mean, we, I guess we all do the same thing when there's a critical fail. Mm-hmm. It's like, you tell me how you failed. Right. And I, it gives everybody ownership, and it's so much more interesting. Like, suddenly, all the rest of the players are watching. You still this have your feet. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I know, and I but see, I brought that on myself. That was me who it. came up I love with it. it. It's and, so and much it's, more, yeah. and I'm never going to live it down. <laughs> right. But and, and that's again part of the beauty of this, I think, mm. and it, it can be used. You know, that's why we use it for critical fails. Is it's sparing in yeah. the mechanic unless you roll like me. But it's a it's a great tool because I think it adds richness to the thing, and, and, and the GM is no longer the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And especially if you have a perfectly normal forest, and suddenly things attack, they're like, "Why are you always picking on us? What's going on? Why can't we just have a normal trip?" I I I, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I do this all the time when I jam. And I on I am not even like trying to hide it. I'm like, okay, we're gonna have a montage. <coughs> so I literally call it a montage. I'm like, okay, each one of you, I want you to describe part of the montage that happens from you leaving the city to. I actually did this this last week in Wild Wild Talents. Like we're going from this play, or we're we're they had done like um, Sam was sick this week, so we did like a on the fly. Like we've talked about many times on the podcast. I actually used our advice. Um, <laughs> she wasn't able to make it like super last minute. So, and we were in a really crucial part. I didn't want her to miss. Like, they just discovered this big thing. So, I was like, okay, we're going to do a flashback. We're going to do, like, when you guys first met each other. So, we went through and did that. And then I was like, so they finished this one part of the adventure. And I'm like, okay, now, to end it, I want the montage of you guys becoming friends over the next year until we hit the beginning of our actual adventure where we started a couple weeks ago. That's really you awful. did that thing that I hate when series do. Like, right at a crucial moment, yeah. they're like... <laughs> Bit, you start you start a new episode and you're like yes I'll get the resolution and it's like four years earlier and yeah. you're like Girl. I know right it's rushing but, but I didn't it's, want- it was actually like no that's a great thing for yeah. role playing games I it was just it was really funny writer strikes no sometimes it's um, sometimes. it it happens for a number of reasons it it can be um, like when you get 
those clip episodes, when you have like a 22 or 23 episode season, you'll tend to have like clip episodes where they think back to all the things that have. That's like to give the actors a break. It oh, like okay. has to do with actor scheduling and like mm-hmm. um, and contracts. And then you have bottle episodes that can also be flashback heavy. Bottle episodes. Where they're all in whatever the main set is. So they don't have to build a and set that in one location. A, oh. and, and that is tends to be a budgetary issue. It is. Uh, yeah. uh, oh. Oh. Money or a scheduling issue. <laughs> Um, because those are easier to schedule and tend to cost a lot less money if you have standing sets. Mm-hmm. Um, I am showing how the sausage is made right now. That's and, okay. sometimes they, like, and sometimes they do need to sense. pad it out. It's yeah. like, like I know with Daredevil and some of the Netflix things, you could see the episodes that they were yet just to add as filler because clearly they have a through line. They know where they're going and mm-hmm. they don't want to get there too quick. Nice. Right. Interesting. Um and like it's not always to say that it's fuller. Or they no. want to like they want to flesh out the characters a little bit more in a way that like they can't do in their main story. They'll <coughs> sidetrack to do that. Okay. But I feel like this is a great thing to do mm-hmm. because not only does it give you kind of like it it saves you from like you said with your sewers example, it saves you from this repetitive, um, like just slog of combat that doesn't get you anything. Except, like, the same amount of XP you could just dole out by saying, hey, y'all went through X number of encounters, right. here's the experience that you would have gained. <coughs> um, like, and gets you to the actual meat of the story faster. Yeah. But it also engages your players in a, in a whole other way to make them think. It's like, oh, what would be funny, interesting, like, exciting that we could have done that, like, doesn't end with my character getting their arm lopped off. Mm-hmm. And it's also, the opposite is true, it's also more interesting than <coughs> having you just narrate, alright, so uh, you've lost them in the sewers and uh, you find your way out. Okay, what's mm-hmm. next? Because now you're... With this, they've all added into the narrative and maybe even given you ideas that yeah. you never would have done if you just say, all right, you find your way to the surface. Yeah, exactly. And now if they have to go back to the sewers, you have a bunch of really cool ideas. Yeah. You're like, okay, well, instead of using the thing I thought of, maybe they fight that thing again that he mentioned. Because that's very that cool. That thing had a brother and an uncle. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But you don't want them all to be NPCs that talk to each other at the same time. <laughs> so Way to bring it back. Thank you, thank you. <coughs> this also kind of reminds me of the, what is the interlude mechanic from Savage Worlds mm-hmm. from yes. the Explorer's Edition or mm-hmm. uh, Deluxe Savage Worlds yeah. which I thought was fantastic which is whenever there's a downtime like you're okay everyone's you've made camp you've set your watches mm-hmm. and then you're all sitting around the campfire eating dinner and then you like randomly pull a card and it's like okay so and so tell tell the, the rest of the party a story about a tragedy that happened in your life mm-hmm. and it's not it's not advancing the story as much but expanding the characters yeah. and the world and mm-hmm. the world right mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, it's not all storytelling, though. Sometimes it's uh, it's it can be personal character advancement, or even something about yeah. the world itself. Re- regardless, the it makes Adventure Time, yeah. Adventure Time, mm-hmm. Adventure Zone comic book did this as well mm-hmm. in a really great way. That like they did a lot of their traveling stuff. Like <clears throat> they were kind of talking by a campfire in the comic, like about. You know, so it was just like small blurbs of what happened, but it shows passage of time really well, and like you get more character interaction and you get more personality through it, and that's just as important to telling a story uh, as the like major big fights and reveals and all of that because like you want your stuff to have emotional weight. Yeah. At least I do. Yeah, but I'm picky. I would argue that that's actually more important personally mm-hmm. in my stories. That's one of the, the one of the reasons like the Harry Potter films. Mm-hmm. I loved the early Harry Potter films mm-hmm. because they had all of that exposition and mm-hmm. all of that character stuff that they didn't have time for when they're trying to cram an 800-page book into an hour and a half long film. Yeah. 
You know, but it, I thought the early one, it, I, I love that stuff. It occurs to me, just now, mm-hmm. that in books, when you're reading, say, a fantasy novel, I don't know, we all read fantasy novels, then when they get to combat, no. it's actually pretty boring, and it goes by pretty yeah, quick. exactly. And it's all, it's all this other stuff that's more interesting. And you yet just in our know games, how it ends. And in our games, a lot of people will skip over all this character exposition to go to combat, because that's more interesting. And, and there's, a real, there's a real opposite problem here, I think. The solution is, you're all knocked out. You wake up, and the Battle of the Five Armies is over. over. <laughs> <laughs> Hobbit for the win. Um, uh, that first movie, though, in the Hobbit series was fantastic. I like the first one, absolutely. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, it was one movie. One movie. We all agree. Yeah. But, yes. but in Even any case, Peter Jackson like, agrees. <laughs> whether or not you like the combat more, you like the character gen more, or you just weigh them equally... Mm-hmm. What's most important is to, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is engagement between you and your players, and it sounds like you found a really great way to do that. So yeah. keep yeah. it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I have no interest in novels or books where I don't care about the characters ever, yeah. right. ever. Right. Yeah. And combat in a book is boring. He swings and he swings or whatever. I mean, sometimes they get into a bit of you know skullduggery right. where you, you trip them and there's a trap. Your combat isn't boring. Comic books, right? <laughs> <laughs> Visual medium, though. Yeah. Well, right. I like fighting in books. And we always talk about... I like fighting in games. Yeah. I'm not... Oh, no, in, in games, sure. No, in books, too. Like, really? it's tense, and you kind of, like... And if you... If but you're like me, and you, yeah. and you, like, read exclusively science fiction and fantasy novels growing up, like, except what you had to read for school, mm-hmm. like, you get a really vivid sense of, like, creating the fight in your mind. You do, but oh, see, it's, I don't. But it's I not, never did. It's not they shoot, you did. shoot, they shoot, you shoot, they shoot, right. you shoot, do you run. It's 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 sort of a general, it's like you, the but people are the case. I'm disagreeing with you. I'm not okay. disagreeing. Yeah. Oh, right. I, would, I would be okay. perfectly happy <laughs> if I get to a combat in a book and it says, and the hero and the villain fought for a while. It looked like the villain, the hero was going to lose, but he didn't, and he no. won at the end. I would be perfectly fine with that. You like the Dresden Files? It's very interesting to see how Harry like. But that's gets mo- the- that's more like. But, no. but that's oh, the innovation no. of no. his magic, though. But that's that's, right. that's, that's a lot of like. That. The thing is, that's a lot of science fiction and fantasy books in general is like getting to that point mm-hmm. where you have to be innovative and you have to think outside the box. Dresden does it. Through like a lot more humor and like pop culture references, like mm-hmm. I mean, not as many as the Iron Druid has. <laughs> See, I mean, really, like I never thought I would read a book that contained an actual Rickroll reference, right. but I can now <laughs> say that I have. But but my point is that like it's all about how you approach it and like how the writing style speaks to you specifically. See, the writing style of the of the fight scenes in the Dresden Files works for you. I, I could skip those too. I, the scenes I like in the, the Dresden Files. T-Rex, fight. come on. Okay, that's one <laughs> one example. No. That, oh, that's come the on, you exception can't say, to the rule. You that's the exception say, to the rule. You cannot oh, say that Hope when... Hope will never die. Come on. You yeah, can, everyone's going to love you that. You cannot say <laughs> that when the dude whose name starts with a W, who's the coroner... The coroner, coroner, coroner. Waldo, Waldo Butters. When when Butters. Waldo Butters has half of the sword and he picks it up and it turns into a lightsaber, right. you could not say that wasn't awesome. Oh no, sure. No, he that, no, lost that, his that, shit. He's like downplay. He talked about that on the podcast for like three months. That, it's hysterical. Yeah, this is the but, best uh, thing you've ever saw. Waldo uh, Butters has always been one of my favorite characters. I know, but, but that's a, still he, part he of a massive like fight scene. No, 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 it's not kind of. They are in a chapter-long fight scene. Yeah. Is it that long? I don't remember it being that long. It's because it's so good, you forget how long it is. 
Uh, see, well, here's here, this is what and I, like half of that book is a fight. Scene. I may not have even read it unless I was listening to it. I may not have even read it because anyway. here's what I do when no, I'm reading you books. Knew the di- oh, there's no quote marks. No, because you oh, knew look, dialogue. You talked about it. Like no shit. Who's That's how I read books. If I know. It, it, you're giving me those long are you at home. Like I have a horrified, I'm judging you face going right now. That is like <laughs> next. Level. Yeah. And I, write in about all the details and how much Stu fangirled over that section of the book because which, he totally wrote it. that thing with butters. You lost. Oh, you, you're it. talking about the, the Tyrannosaurus Rex thing. Well, that and that all and the, the butters, butters thing, thing, which is I like, don't remember. Sorry, spoilers. I don't remember it's like eight, over that. Bu- it's the, like eight the Tyrannosaur later. thing was freaking epic. Yeah, it's one of the last. Anyway, spoilers. That's also, <laughs> that's it's also still going on. It's still not five a combat years ago. scene. Yeah, I know. That's him conjuring the spell and creating the the skin around the dinosaur in the I'm museum. Sorry. I'm sorry. The combat scene happens half a mile away down the street. But you find out he has a T Rex in the combat scene. Yeah, it's like a fadeaway situation. Oh, that's true. That's true. It is. That's like right. you get you the actual reveal. You know that's what he's doing. I'm just saying you get the actual reveal, <laughs> and it's the big moment in the combat. Because mm, they're no, they're running along first and snapping okay. on cars, aren't they? So I feel like no. I thought they were having trouble steering. I'm going to step in for a moment. <laughs> so basically, the combat, it should be what your characters find interesting. So T-Rex, non-T-Rex, lightsabers, whatever. Um, and then, like, you pull parts from it. And then, like, yeah, having them montage it. Like, maybe they're going to come up with those amazing things that, you know, just because they don't have quote marks, since Stu would have skipped that part of the I book. I would have. Like now, they're see, gonna come up with those awesome the la- things. The later books, and I've, I've also listened to all of them now, and yeah. I don't obviously like four don't skip. Times. I've only I don't I have skip multiple. Ahead. I have multiple books that don't use quotation marks that I now want to send you just for shiggles. <laughs> I'll skip the whole thing. <laughs> like they they have dialogue. But okay, you are literally listening to like the entire uh, uh, listening, R- R- not oh, okay. reading. Okay, that makes sense. totally okay. different. I'm stuck in my car. I can't fuck with my phone when okay, I'm stuck so in my that's, car. That's fine. That's there have been moments when I'm like. I could skip this part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when I, he describes food for like three pages? The, actually, his food descriptions aren't that long. Oh. And they're so tasty. They make me they, so hungry. Yes. Yeah, so well, you can tell, you can tell that, that George R.R. Martin's an eater. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he gets hungry in there. It's just not fair. Ellie Modset, my favorite fantasy author, does the same thing. They, 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 they go to a place God. and they order these menus and they it's. They spend so much time at the great. inn. Like, they spend so much time at inns and so much time, like, describing what they are eating at said inns. And it's just like, I know that the basis of your book is going to be the balance between good and evil and, like, light and darkness and whatever. So, like, <coughs> order and chaos. And in the mm-hmm. end. Well, you have read them. All I need <laughs> is these descriptions of food to get me through the day. I and love yet, those we books. were just bashing on people who had, like, 40 pubs. It's like, come on! Of course, they have awesome pubs with good food and inns and stuff. And they have combat too, I don't, I've never but the combat's ha- real esoteric because it's in the person's head as they're trying to balance order well, and chaos. Like, it's not like he well, swings. Sometimes, and, well, except in <coughs> the first one. Yeah, and a couple That's of the like other. That's like years old, though. Yeah, I feel like we're getting super derailed. Yeah. Sorry, we're get back. like no, there good. are actual combat scenes, and Ali Mata said that they're just much fewer and far between, and there's so much angst. Yes, I love them though. We're running a game Red from Axel. <laughs> okay, running a game from Axel. Dear Happy Jackers and Jackies and Jills, I hope this email finds you drunk to the gills. Don't worry, I won't rhyme all the time, although it would be fun to hear you stumble through each bad pun and weird word and phrase and bit just to make the rhyming fit. Here endeth the fun, serious mode now. In your face, you said it all right. 
when I'm listening to your podcast, I have these moments where part of my mind just wants to scream, they should let someone living in a, small, a rural small town to join the show so it's not all these creative West Coast people. <laughs> um, so here's three statements as positive reinforcement for your middle-of-the-road RPG person. It's absolutely okay <coughs> to build your game around per- purchased modules and settings. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, creating your own worlds and adventures can be a lot can be even more rewarding. But if you are not a very creative person, this will require a lot of work and time. There are many pre-written great pre-written books to help you get started. Don't feel bad if you use them. At least you're running a game. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think and I know we talk a lot about like coming up with your own stuff because that's where it gets dicey, and I think that's where we get a lot of questions. But um, like Abria right now, for one so of our APs, is Water running Deep. Waterdeep is a, a is a Dragon pre-built Heist. model. Yeah, uh, is See, a pre-built. When I when I when I read modules, mm-hmm. and this kind of stems from my comments. Probably. Uh, how, how often are quote marks in modules? <laughs> oh my god! Uh, yeah, and we go I, back I, to I start, and we go back to quote mark situation. I start reading, and my eyes just kind of fade out, and I'm like. I, okay, number two. So Hold on. Just made my own. <laughs> I think it's. I think the key statement here is like build your game around purchase modules and settings. You're not. It's not the game. Is not just the module. Well, it could be. It yeah, could it be. can but be. Yeah, it it can around. Too. A jumping like, point too. The yeah. thing is, if you're just starting out on it and yeah. on running games, use whatever you need to use. Right. Like this stuff is there for a reason. Yeah, and except like not horrors. everybody. Don't run a game around two horrors. <laughs> But like I don't not, many characters left. <laughs> there's, there's a reason why we all talk about like Temple of Elemental Evil mm-hmm. as like oh, it's an old school D and D model that a lot of us have played. Mm-hmm. That, like we loved. It's got like hardcore nostalgia bosses. I'm never going back to it because oh my god, I don't want to know. <laughs> but like, but I'm just saying that like we're at a point where we like to tell stories and we like to tell collaborative stories. Mm-hmm. But like. You're still telling a collaborative story, even if you haven't come up with the whole thing from scratch, yeah, or like quote unquote any of it from scratch. You're always going to have to like, you know, work with your players mm-hmm. to get the story told. And if you're going off of a plot that's been written for you, like, who cares? Yeah, no one is grading and you. I'm, no one is judging you. Well, we are, but no. I, I'm, and I'm, always, I'm on record as saying I, I always keep a module and some maps and things yeah. in my in my just because your players are going to turn left. And they will. It's only a matter of time, so that the, the place you had set up ready to go, they're not going to go to anymore. So you have something mm-hmm. to fill out the rest of the night. Yeah. Yeah, see, I, I I don't use them purely out of personal preference yeah. Yeah. because so. I don't like reading them. I mean, and that's and that's your preference, but like that's not to denigrate anyone who doesn't. No, 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 no. I like them because they have maps and, mm-hmm. and yeah. stats there's, for monsters. I've cool stolen stuff out of them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I've, so, I've played in a bunch of them. Like, uh, Tyler used to run a bunch of them for Pathfinder. Right. He <coughs> ran us through a ton of them. and it, it, They were always really good and you could never really tell the difference. Like, I mean, like there are times where, oh, let me stop and let me look that up. But, like, like obviously you need to kind of look through it ahead of time so you're familiar with it. Don't just like pull yeah, out the that, book. That's that stumbling block I have. Right yeah, that's your stumbling block. But I mean, Abria right now she's running and she does customize it a little, make it her own as far as how she brings the characters to life. But it's like a campaign long adventure. Yeah, but it's, it's not a, just right. No, yeah. but it's like, but she's also she's running it like it's written. Right. So she might do I'm like sh- voices differently or whatever and bring her own take to it. But I'm but it's sure as it's written, I'm sure she's deviated from the, the I mean, plot. I mean, but the point is, of it. but the point is like. 
you don't have to if that's not your yeah, if right. that's not your bag. It's your game. She's also and, wrangling crazy players. And like, right. Rule number one. True that. Pacifists. Is the we're all here to have fun. Yeah. So like if you're having fun and your players are having fun, then who the fuck cares who wrote it? Yeah. Like, At least yeah. you're running a game. Yeah. So to move on, there are actually points two and three. So oh, okay. Uh, number two, it's absolutely okay <coughs> not to run an open world game. I won't even mention sandbox. Oh, whoops, I did. Uh, strong adventure hooks, interesting places, and authentic PC motivations are all you need to have your group embark on a great adventure mm-hmm. along the lines of what you prepared. It won't feel or be railroady if the players and PCs find strong motivation to tackle the problems that the GM created for them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And even open world games start out in a small town. Yes. From there, yeah. everybody has a starting point. Yep. Like, and then, really, it's like we are about to run demigods, and our whole story is going to be set in Bangalore, which is a big town, like a big city. It's a mega city. But what we did when we played Decma was made our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So our starting point, our jumping off point, is the neighborhood. So like. Start small and work your way out is a perfectly valid way to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it can get people really connected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I have a theme for today. Yeah. And and um, moving into open world things isn't necessarily an improvement. I think a no. lot of us, because we play together, like people tend to, as they play together, develop a play style together. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, my first campaign I ever ran was a 5e. Yes, I did the hit points wrong. We've all heard this right 80 times. Um, what happened? Shut up. Oh my god. <laughs> so anyway, but it was a very linear game. It was not open world. It was very like, you go from here to point A to point B to point C to point C to point C. Figure that out for the love of God. Oh, point D, thank god. Like, that's how that campaign went. And, um, like, it was very... But as we've kind of played, and anyone who plays with a, the similar group is going to find they get... Just like when you hang out with people, you pick up on each other's phrases and things like that. Right. We... A lot... A lot of us jam and play with each other, so we pick <coughs> up on each other's styles. We've kind of developed this open world, adopt each other's tropes, tropes. Like yeah, that, yeah, we we've kind of got uh, into like this open world kind of feel right now. I mean, speaking of things we're not supposed to talk about, but like I'm just saying, there's a reason why Happy Jacks now can have a bingo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so so we are kind of in that flavor, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean other flavors are bad. Um, and yeah, I mean, we definitely like don't feel like. Sandbox is the goal. If you like that play style, great. If you don't, if you I like, use the term open world. I'm sorry, open world. We're not Accurate. using the bad S word. The S word that causes arguments. The open world game is not like the end goal. That's where we are right now, and we're kind of like delving into that as our play style. A lot of us at the moment, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's like you start here and you go to there. It's like maybe you go back. Maybe the, you do lots of different things. The only caveat I would say to this is. I think you should always be prepared to run an open world game. Mm-hmm. You have your plot, you have your villains, you have what you think is going to be the the plot hook and the, the direction the story is going to go. But if your players don't go in that direction and you start resorting to bad GMing tactics to keep them going that way, I don't think you're doing yourself or your players any good. But so I don't you, think that you necessarily have to... I'm just going to... I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I, I'm interrupting and disagreeing at the same time. That's okay. Double it, double anti-woman <laughs> whammy. It's fine. Um, that 
being prepared to to adapt the plot and the story to fit unexpected player choices is not the same as being open world. How? 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 Because you still want them, like, if you are going through from the module and stuff like that, and you still want to arrive at a solution, having a zig in there on how they arrive at the solution hmm. is not the same as, like, an open world, like, um, you know, like, Skyrim level of of things. Like, I, I think I there's a difference. That. I think there's a difference between adapting your plot to fit the things that your players are doing versus having an open world game where there are a lot of threads that they could pick up any one of those at any time. Um, which is kind of how I think about open world games. That, like, there's so much going on um, that you can pick and choose, like, which quests you're going to do that day. What? I think an example would be, like, alright, so NPC A has the clues. They don't trust NPC A and kill NPC A. So then, oh, NPC B shows up. B, NPC B has the clues. Well, I'm thinking of something like basically more blatant than that. Right, but I'm saying like that's not. Th- there's a, a tower called the Temple of Ultimate Evil on this hill okay. over to the west. Why would we and go the there? Players go. That sounds dangerous. We're, We're going to go east. Yes, that's called Los Angeles. We that should go as far away from that Ultimate Evil that's as what, possible. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. So and th- it may not necessarily. I mean, you can get the players back there. There are there. I think there are acceptable tactics which could sort of be considered railroading in that situation, mm-hmm. which is things the city around the tower is starting to get worse there's starting to be attacks or you know the weather's changing or the plant the the vegetation is getting corrupted so maybe there's an impetus to (laughs) get them to do that you find a beautiful orphan child wandering from there whose parents have been killed but if your players say we're not going west we're going east because there's less danger east and even though we're playing a fucking role-playing game we're supposed (laughs) to be fucking adventurers we're scaredy cats so we're going that way because i've seen it happen you and i did that once though in another game yes we did (laughs) (laughs) that's because we were bored yes and then that it happens too, <laughs> and that's not necessarily the player's fault. It's a fault. totally different thing. But and and they, they head off. You need to be able to figure out what's going to be there. Yeah. If you haven't prepped it, you haven't prepped it. You're going to need to make something up. What I'm saying is, you don't have to run an open world game, but if you get into situations where the players are supposed to turn right and the story's established that the storyline is happening to the right, and they say fuck it, we're going left. Or we're gonna, or we want to go talk to the blacksmith because he seems more interesting than the plot hook, yeah. or whatever it is. You need to be able to either figure out some way to tie that in with it, mm-hmm. or to make that interesting. And because yeah. I've abandoned stories in yeah. games, oh, and it isn't because I wanted to, to. Yeah, because you know what I mean. The, the the point you're bringing up actually segues us really well into point number three of oh, the. Oh, excellent! Don't, don't forget though, for that last point, bathroom break. That's when you you need think time. You oh, know what? Bathroom break, or like you know, when you don't. I'm just gonna order some pizza. Yeah. When, um, you, when you don't have five players staring at you and your mind is blank, I have to go to the bathroom. And yeah. I've done it at cons. I've done it at cons times. many times. <laughs> I go stand um, in the women's bathroom because it's still usually empty, and I stand and look at myself in the mirror like, okay, I know what's gonna happen next, and then I go. Out. Take, I take a pen. <laughs> And I grab one of the paper towels because the, the paper towels at the hotel are good to write on. Yeah, they are. And I, I sit down. Sorry. I, I, I don't sit down. I'm sorry. But There's I, so I, much I, more information here than I right, ever wanted. Right. <laughs> like, and most of the time, needed. I don't even have to pee. 
It's, yeah. it's a famous story, but now it's become an actual actual thing that he does as part of his game prep. Because like at one point he ran out of content for a con game, so he went to the bathroom, they didn't tell anybody. Four he, hours of stuff in an hour and a half. Right. So he came up with stuff and came back, and nobody knew a difference until like two, three, four weeks later he fessed up to it, and we're like, what? <laughs> now they're super suspicious. Anytime any of us have to go to the bathroom, right? Right. It's like, no, Sometimes I've been people here for have to hours. be. Yeah. Um, okay, I always make sure I drink a lot of water. So it's, I got a lot of credibility. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, my God. Last Never part. wanted to know. Okay, number three. It's absolutely okay to prep your game. Mm-hmm. Many oh, modern, quote-unquote, games come with a lot of built-in flexibility and the intent of collaborative storytelling. That's my, you know, well, italicized air that. quotes it, it, thing. It had quotes on it, so Steve yeah. was going to ignore it. <laughs> no, that's the part he, was only oh. gonna, he was only going to read that part. Sorry. He was just going to read modern, collaborative storytelling, <laughs> traditional, <laughs> run, run with it. it. That's how this email. Okay. And fun. you know what? That summarizes the whole fucking paragraph. <laughs> you proved me right. Oh my god! Sorry, continue, Buja. But it might be difficult. But it might be difficult for players used to more traditional games to get into the spirit and just run with it. Regardless of the game, it won't hurt anyone if you prep your game world a little. If it gives you the security to run a good game, prep all you want, and be ready to adapt slash throw it out when the play happens. Mm -hmm. Remember, running an okay game rather than a great 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 game is still miles and miles better than running no game. Here. Um, as always, interested to hear your thoughts. Love you all. Make sure your drinks go down the right pipe. Sorry, Canada. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Canada. Sorry, Canada. I, I, I'm also on record as saying I, I love world building, and I overprep for everything. Mm-hmm. And it's fun for me to do that. I really like creating the world. I think I have the same problem with world building as this other writer had, or this other um, letter writer had with NPCs. Mm-hmm. But it does give me that comfort level now of like, yeah. I'm, no matter where the characters go, I'm familiar. I'm so familiar with this world that I can now roll with it. Oh, see, and I love, much more I love game prep. I yeah. love. Oh, game do you? Prep. you do, yes, he does. I love game prep. Oh yeah. You should see the shit I'm coming. I'm com- I oh. have pages and pages and pages for a called the so Call of Cthulhu stuff. game. I love it. I just came up with two of the so of much. the newspapers that are going to exist I'm, there. Yeah. I'm designing their mastheads right now because I'm going to actually print them on 11 by 17 newsprint. So they're going to be actual newspapers. You're, uh, you're. I you're, love doing that. Kind Ghostbusters of shit. LA was a real revelation to me when you actually took a map of LA and dropped yeah, that it down. Old, that old subway I, map I of Los like, Angeles. I was like, yeah. that's a thing that we can do in this modern age. It's been so long since I gamed it. That was never an option. <laughs> Holy smokes, that's so cool. Oh, yeah. But I think it's funny. This is kind of a testament to how much my GMing style has changed. Because I used to be like known as like the prep queen. Remember, like I had crazy oh, yeah. props for all my games. Yeah, like I made like everything you for made, my games. You made everybody customized laser ponies. Laser ponies. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I still like doing like fun stuff for my con games like that. But I feel like, uh, like I again, like I think we all just kind of like go through things. And I think at some point I'm gonna like right now I'm really more into like the improv games and, <coughs> and like improving and like building a world and then letting people play around in it and coming up with things that are happening like I have an overarching story but individual encounters are more like made up on the fly like okay they're running into, they're, they want to go find this out okay they're definitely going to run into somebody when they do that so I don't necessarily have it all planned out ahead of time um, you do have to prep for that 
So I don't want people when we're saying like it, we're improving things to think that there's no prep involved because you still mm-hmm. have to have like bad guys prepped and maybe that's in your your source book. Um, I'm lucky we're running Wild Talents. There's a big section in the back that has a whole bunch of different levels of bad guys of like from everything from like like shopkeeper to like elite, uh, you know, like SWAT officer. And stuff like your D&D monster manual yeah, or your the Pathfinder has all those online resources <coughs> where you can just like search a, a Hitai monster yeah, that you need. That's right. There's the internet now. Yeah. You don't have to go out and buy like the rogues gallery book. But I think <laughs> like one of the key things that you're talking about here is evolution mm-hmm. and practice and, and Axel like has a good point that you can watch you know, especially if you're really into watching APs, mm-hmm. you can watch all these people from Critical Role to, you know, us, us. to uh, <laughs> Saving Throw mm-hmm. and like um, Relics and Rarities and, and all. Us. And us. Yeah, and, watching, yes. and, you know, us again. Um, <laughs> you can watch all of these different people who are doing this, like, in a quote unquote professional environment and get a little intimidated in running your own game. Mm, that's but, fair. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the most important things to remember is like, we're entertainment and advice, mm-hmm. but mostly entertainment. <laughs> um, they, yes. That you don't have to like, never think that when you run your game that you have to be Kimmy or Stu or Matt Mercer don't be me. or Deborah Ann Wall. Like you don't have to be these people. You need to be yourself with your friends. Mm-hmm. So like you're running your own game and whether that's off a module or whether something you came up with all on your own or <coughs> like y'all talked about earlier, like together beforehand or Maybe whatever you play it Decima. is. Maybe you played Decima from Golden Lasso Games. Right, is it available to Golden Lasso Games? The game you play before the game? Either way, um, <laughs> the point is to like find what you're comfortable running and run it. Yeah. And also, just don't be afraid to like spectacularly fail like flat on your face to start, because we all have. We, I mean, I haven't mainly because I've never GM before. <laughs> so like, y'all are gonna get to see that one day. Yeah. And just think, no one's gonna remind you how I you fucked up. I want to play your game pit. when you GM. Yeah. <laughs> No one's going to remind you how you fucked up hit points for 15 years from Canada, so you'll be fine. 15 years ago. It was like, it wasn't no, even no. 10 years ago. I'm, oh, years oh, I'm ago. sorry. Eight, eight years. Wasn't even 10 years ago. <laughs> Almost. It was eight years ago. And this is what happened. I told you a million times, too. Never exaggerate. See, on the character stat block, you've got hit points here. <laughs> oh, no, but way no, over no, up on no. the top, you've got XP. <laughs> I've got an X card. I've got an X card. <laughs> Four E, like, and we had these are the toughest ghosts we've ever fought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I learned all my dailies, you did? all my <laughs> encounter powers. Okay, they have little cards because it's four E, and they decided they were going to try and make a card game. And they were very confused. Shut up, stop. we're done. That's it. Thanks. Oh wait, over prepping. Oh, over prepping. Ah, I don't know if they can see that. He's made a beautiful Ravenhurst University logo. This is the logo for the college sweatshirts I'm going to make for the players. Because mm-hmm. they all start out working for Ravenhurst University in the nice. Yeah, but you're running you're running a long campaign. I'll, I'll see that. It is a long campaign. I'll yes. match you. When I did a one shot of Mission Imbardable, right? It occurred to me that they're going to get a message from somebody. What if one of the players, because I don't know who's going to show up at the game, says, what, "Who's giving his orders?" All right, so now I have to have, have like an idea of like who's giving the orders. Well, who controls them? <coughs> okay, so I basically had to come up with like a CIA and FBI, and then like who's in charge of all of that, just right. so that I knew that if somebody asked me, I had an answer, so I didn't we can go. Uh, it's some shadow corporation. Well, why are we working for them? Oh, God, now I'm dead. Right. 
Um, so I had to over prep for stuff just because I was afraid of what they were going to ask. Probably seventy five percent of the prep I do, the players never see. Okay. Or if they do, it's it gets repurposed later on. In yeah, the game absolutely. Or I think all prep is not u- wasted. It's no, and it's never, no. It's it's never, never wasted. wasted. If nothing never. else, it, it makes as me long comfortable. as you enjoy yeah. it, it's not wasted. Exactly. Absolutely. If you hate it. Then like let's re-examine how you're it's doing like, it. Play like, powered by the apocalypse. It's kind of like, <laughs> method, it, it's no. kind of like method acting. Let's where you, that. It's kind of like method oh. acting where you you have to come, come up now. with a backstory and stuff for your character to make it believable, so that you're there's your less prep motivation. Powered by the apocalypse. I'm is playing, it intentionally like, supposed to be depending less on how you run it. Like yeah, like the demigods way, is like a massive amount. Or, or it can be. It yeah. can be for us. It was a lot of prep going yeah. into that. Like for us or the GM, all of us, but also like I know Jason has put in a lot of yeah. work okay. into this. Mm-hmm. So like, it's n- and depending on like I know in a masks game specifically, you can also find yourself like you have to put in a good amount of prep mm-hmm. um, in order to have those games run more smoothly. Yeah. However, the other thing about um, like. I think I brought this up last time I was here too. So apparently, it's I'm just really it's into it. Is Monsters of the Week? Mm-hmm. Um, those are modules where you've got a baseline to run off of. You don't have to do a ton of prep ahead of time. Like it's more of the Scooby Gang, Buffy mm-hmm. setup. So people are familiar with those frameworks, and you can work within those. Right. So it's a little bit like of a nicer like like going in from the the shallow end of the pool rather than jumping into a 3.5 D&D game. Yeah. Where like people are like so That's we need 52 we need 52 <laughs> weeks of episodes like or sessions. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I mean it, it it depends on the complexity of the world that you've created if you're using a real world and trying to use like research for that and a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, that's that's a totally different kind of prep. It is. If yeah. you're doing real world stuff, it is. That's more reading stuff that doesn't have quotes around it. <laughs> well, so Stu's never doing Stu's that. never doing that again. <laughs> but there's also there's also now, like we've said, maps. There's yeah. a, let's say you're doing a period. There's like a in lot the of 30s. stuff that you don't have to do. Do you remember? Yeah. Do you maps remember, still don't have quotes. Do you remember a while ago online? Pictures. There's legends, remember. so it's kind of the same. I don't even know if it's available anymore. But there was like a whole Call of Cthulhu props that you could print up, matchbooks yeah. and, and uh, telegrams, HP. Yeah, yeah, I refound that site. It's yes. so cool. But I yeah, mean, hey, PDFs. if you have a if you have a three D printer, Humble Bundle has like one of their bundles is plans for props for D for tabletop RPG games. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool! Like very cool. It's like little like worm monsters and dungeons <coughs> and all kinds of other stuff. So you could still have all of that. Yep. Like in this case, it's less like papercraft and more like. Do you have like a thousand dollar three D printer? But, but like whatever. <laughs> I was um I was oh, you, you, I, I made find a, a friend <laughs> when I ran Call of Cthulhu years and years and years ago. I made a, a matchbook, like on a, a color printer on cardstock. Made the actual thing. It, it was something I found. Cut the thing out, and then took a regular matchbook and pried that staple out. Yeah, and then put the uh, my matchbook around it, and then put staple <laughs> back in because it's a weird staple. They're real nice. short. Staples. That's like the first time I had to make a customs uh, a custom cigarette box for yeah. prop. This is actually what Pooja does for a living. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Now I, props. I ran into a problem like we're running superhero games where you're taking place in like New York or whatever, and eventually people are like, New York isn't laid out like that, and now all of a sudden you're stuck with like, okay, I gotta, I gotta start. <laughs> well, that's the problem. With the, uh, I was trying to say with modern games as opposed to a fantasy games, like you can just make up stuff. You walk down the street, you turn left, there's a blacksmith shop. But you know, if you're running it in modern day New York, people are gonna Forty Second Street does not intersect with that. And you're like, oh, that's oh. why we play so many games in LA here. <laughs> that's right. We know true. LA. It's true. Stick with what you know. Play and I even, you know. even the, in the Ghostbusters game. 
Kimmy Stillwell actually me when we when you guys got on. Sorry, uh, you got the haunted, haunted mansion. mansion layout wrong. Yes. Oh damn. So I, I had the the room after the the they got switched. The, the room bad. after the the uh, fortune teller. Yeah. I had the wrong room. Yeah. So some of that prep yeah. is important because if you like, I said, it's based off the movie. Located in the movie. <gasps> I don't think the movie hit. Was the movie been out by then? I don't even know. That was a long. I time I try to ago. forget the movie exists. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever seen it. It was like seven years ago. Like maybe late nineties. Oh, Oh, it had been out there. I want to say I want to say that the movie came out while I was (coughs) living with my parents. Yeah, this is probably two thousand ten or eleven. I ran that game. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a long time ago. But I I may not have even seen. It was our very first AP. It was outside, and most of it took. Place and we were eating Chinese food. It was. It's bad, but it's a great AP. If you can ignore bad, it has like fifteen thousand dollars. Gift and it right was, now yeah. it was a podcast like, only. So cute. Yes. All right. We do need. Oh, we need to, we go. Need to wrap it up. Yeah. All right. We thing? finished our emails. We were successful. The preceding program. Oh, that's the wrong one. Okay. Oh damn. That's the wrong one. There it is. Yeah. I'm gonna go oh, I'm gonna sing great tomorrow. Well, um, why why would this day be any different than <laughs> the other? Thank you for joining us for season 24, episode 7 of Happy Jack's Energy Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kenny. My name is Stork. I'm Pooja. And don't forget, if you are coming out to the Renaissance Pleasure Fair tomorrow, we have a meetup at 1.40 p.m. Yes. At Rogue's Reef Stage. I'm just to sing bass all day. <laughs> sing bass all day. Hey! Hey! hey. Nice. You're hired. I, I have a low voice now. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next week. We'll leave with a song. the hand and write for her father 
this couple did stand saying, This is the Yuland that I asked from thee. Ta the owls to the nows, Molly and me, ta the owls to the nows, Molly and me. It's me you've beguiled I sure did not think that you meant my own child And since I have said it Well then let it be Call the owls to the owls Molly and me Call the owls to the owls Molly and me Call the owls to the owls Molly Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum.